Welcome to Factor Magri, dedicated to the primary industry. Each week, I talk with farmers and producers, industry and policy makers to hear their stories and expert opinions on matters relevant to both our rural and our urban communities. This week, I'm catching up with farmer Fraser McGowan. Fraser is also a climate change ambassador with Dairy NZ, so I'm keen to get an understanding of his approach to farming and how he is helping others in this area. Let's check in with him now. Hello, Fraser. Thank you for your time today. Oh, good morning, Angus. <laughs> Please, can you tell me about your farm, what you farm, and where you are located? Um, I, or my wife and I, along with our family, we're farming at Taniatua, which is inland from Pokatani in the eastern Bay of Queenstown. So we're dairy farming with a you know, right-size operation. And working kind of in with our physical boundaries, with one being the Fokitani River and the other being uh, Te Uruera National Park, a couple of properties back from us. Fantastic. I understand you're also a climate change ambassador for Dairy NZ. Can you tell me what that means and how it came about? Um, I was kind of looking for answers and a lot of different things because I worked out that what I was doing on farm it wasn't going to be um, sustainable long-term and that I knew there was a lot of things which were coming at us and we needed to continue to evolve on farm. So I kind of went looking for answers and um, I managed to um, get um, into a meeting where they were looking for people who are interested in climate change and that really kind of struck a chord with me. Uh, Water has been uh, really well done and there's been a lot of things done on fresh water, but climate change is just such a big unknown for a lot of people. And I thought, hey, if I can get information about this and then uh, learn for myself, but then pass it on to other farmers, uh, that would be really good. And then it's just enabling change. And then from there, I progressed uh, for three years. We were basically doing a lot of learning. And then um, recently, I've become the chairman of the group. So it's a fortunate position to be able to um, get information and push it out to people. Yes, indeed. Now, you have won many awards for your work as a farmer around sustainability and the environment. As a farmer, what does sustainability mean and look like for you? Uh, What it looks like now, (laughs) this is a tricky question because what it looked like five years ago is completely different to now and the next five years is completely different. I'd probably say that sustainability now, for me, looks at addressing issues which are coming at us. As we get more and more information, things change. Um, So, like, the goalposts change, but it's actually doing something about it rather than um, just thinking you've got, say, a perfect farm or you've you've got everything sorted or or else it's too hard. It's actually just continuing to evolve um, to fit in with what information provides. Like, we just are on a change cycle as farmers, and so kind of embracing it and also uh, being able to pair with people who are doing the best practice um, is, yeah, kind of what I see as sustainable farming. Mm. And you mentioned uh, your property boundaries onto some waterways, and I would imagine you have all these areas fenced off, and indeed any areas of native bush. Can you tell me about these areas on your farm? I know these things come at significant cost to farmers in terms of fencing these areas off, but does these things have an impact on stocking rates or production in your experience? 
Um, you know, I've been very fortunate in that uh, my father, he fenced off all the waterways on our property, getting on for 40 to 50 years ago. Right. Um, and this is little streams and everything like that, because he looked at it and thought, well, I don't want stock in the in the, I don't want to lose stock, the physical implications of animals wandering or um, then contaminating water. And so I inherited a legacy. So this uh, fencing waterways, we've done it for practicality reasons 50, yeah, 40 to 50 years ago. So I haven't had to reinvent wheels. So I've done a few different things as information has come along. So I'm planting more of them and I'm uh, pulling fences back to allow plantings and buffer zones. So I'm just really tweaking something which has already been done and it's easy. Um, and then with patches of native bush, at the same time, um, my father, he fenced those off because they would typically be used for putting bulls and paddocks and patches of bush and just leaving them. But um, he saw the value of uh, preserving them. And so we've actually got on our property a significant uh, patch of kaikatea bush, which is one of the uh, last remaining stands of kaikateas in, um, or lowland kaikateas in our area. And so he fenced it off, but now I've gone through um, the process of actually getting rid of all the weeds and pests and then replanting. And so yesterday we put in 750 uh, new plants, but that's on top of probably about uh, two or 3,000 other ones we've put in. Mm. It's a hugely labour-intensive job, but it's actually rewarding, but it's doing the right thing. And it's like my father couldn't do it because he couldn't get uh, seedlings. Um, mm. They simply there weren't the native nurseries available, but now, it's, as I said, things are changing. Um, you can get them in quite reasonable prices, and also with assistance from regional councils. And kind of that's what I was talking about before: kind of peering with other people and enabling you to do things. And then you start questioning and talking, and people are doing the same things. Like I know of a guy fencing all his bag, uh, planting all his sides of paddocks all four sides of his paddocks but he's set up a little machine to do it with manuka mm. and you don't need to do it but yeah it's just learning <laughs> yeah and you said that your father did these things 40 or 50 years ago in that time has he seen significant change in the quality of water by fencing those areas off um yeah definitely um and it's just those gradual changes as in um the plants which were feeding on the nutrients which were discharged from uh, the land are now not there and it's yeah you're able to do different things as well so there's a bit more watercress that's a balance um but the thing is what we do need as farmers and it's good and everyone has signed up to it is that everyone has to start fits in the waterways mm. um so in isolation alone uh it's not uh, possible, but as together we can make large, larger groups. But fencing mm. waterways is, has been done. Like climate is really where it's at now. <laughs> mm. What about weed and pest control? You touched on that. What is your approach in this area on your property? Um, we're pretty fortunate in that we're um, surrounded by uh, farms in our area, and then we're one farm back to Tiwiriwira. But yeah, it's just constant monitoring, trapping. Um, and then also spraying and keeping out the invasive weeds such as uh, privets and tree weeds and blackberry. So it's just a constant burn. So we're at probably 
putting away about three people. We're using three weeks of labor on the environment mm. tool side of our business. And so that's something which we don't get a return on. Um, we are doing it because it's a long-term benefit for everyone. And it's not just about us. And like these patches of bush and these waterways, they'll be here long after we're gone. So it's leaving a legacy and doing what's right. And that's kind of what we operate along. Mm. What about the application of fertilizers? Has this changed over the years at all for you? Yeah, that's probably one of the big things which I've um, been instrumental in changing on our farm. And that is because I see it that we've got to be more specific and more accurate with our fertilizer usage. And there's no point putting excessive amounts on and losing it from our system, which if you lose it, it either gets um, volatilized and turns into, goes into the um, atmosphere or else you lose it into your waterways um, when it uh, passes right through the soil system. So I've been quite specific in using technology. And so I've got into the GPS um, controls of, on your, our tractors for application. Mm. We do our own application so we can monitor exactly where things go and we, we're accountable for it. But also using the mapping software, which is now available from um, a lot of the uh, companies. And then we can overlay that over soil profiles and soil types. And then just using basic information such as rainfall data and forecasting. All this information is in your hand and it's applying it so that we don't lose nutrients and we also use less nutrients. But the good thing is, is that um, we every day as a dairy farmer, we get an output from our milk vet, which is what we produce. But we also have the technology in the uh, combined harvesters for our maize, for example, which tells us exactly what yields are coming up where. And then it's using that information uh, rather than just discarding it, I'm actually actively applying it. And so, we're putting less fertilizer on around gateways, for instance, because they're a fertility spot. And then also different soil types, we're doing different things. It's such a huge um, saving and also a huge benefit. Yep. It's really quite neat to do. Yeah, it's really interesting. Fraser, I believe in family change where it is needed rather than a policy being handed out from the beehive by someone who in reality knows very little about farming or indeed does not understand the importance of farming, it would seem, in many cases. And I think the Hiwakekanoa program will future-proof our farmers, and you are clearly a leader. But how is the feeling out there among your farming peers who might not yet be engaged with what is being asked of them? Um, that's a really good uh, question, Angus, because I had a classic example of seeing the progress with um, farmers in our uh, area, which is the Bay of Plenty recently. So about three years ago when the Climate Change Commission formed, they did a roadshow throughout New Zealand and I went to one in Rotorua. So I've done a fair bit of travelling for this role. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll farm more than I'm on it, it seems, sometimes. But um, there was there were people in tears. They were um, yelling and shouting and it was really a terrible meeting. It was one where I didn't stand up. We, I didn't stand up and try and talk to them because people were really afraid of what was coming. Mm. But then, contrary to that, recently we've had a Dairy Z step change meeting in the in Tepuki. So I went to that last week, and there was 33 farmers there, and every single one of them was, okay, we're going to be doing this. This is what's here. This mm. is, and it was explained well, mm. but they've all got their heads around it, and they know that pricing will be coming. Mm. They know that we are going to have to make uh, reductions in certain areas, or mm. some people 
will have land use change, which is um, an option for some people and not for others. Mm. But it's the right farming system in the right place. It's kind of like how they say the right tree in the right place. Well, the farming is uh, if it's still and the big thing which probably came out of it is overall the sentiment was yeah we have to do this we actually choose to do this and we understand it and so um, from um, the uh, Hewaka Ikenau point of view like I think they're quite aware that um, that will allow farmers to have a voice at the table and so we won't have uh, or we won't have the real uh, things thrown at us hopefully we can have workable solutions mm. and uh, one of the big things the farmers said and this is what um, we've been pushing to through Hewaka Kanoa because I sit on the web street uh, on the group there is that research is going to be huge and so that reinvestment of money back into research to help us do uh, some of these changes on farm is going to be Mm. And you mentioned land use change. Do you have any plans to diversify your farming business activity? Is there an opportunity for tourism, for example? <laughs> it was interesting because uh, probably about four years ago, uh, we started looking at uh, the thought of tourism, but not in the realm of um, really making money out of it. It was actually mm. along the realm of opening the farm gate yep. so that we could actually allow people to come and stay. And so at the moment, we're working on a little tiny house uh, cabin, which we're going to put into one of our patches of native bush if we can, if we don't plant it out too heavily, which we seem to be doing. Um, and so people can come along on the farm and just actually see what we're doing and, you know, stay. Like my cousins, they used to have the ability to come through, but the next generation, we're getting so spread from what's mm. the reality of what's happening. Mm. Some of them who live. Uh, my cousin's children, they may not be on the farm. Mm. They might not know the, um, how hard it can be. Mm. Because like this morning, when it was raining outside, uh, we were out there. And yep. you don't have a choice. You mm. have to do it to make it work. And we just, uh, we need to kind of sell our story a little bit so people know what we're doing. Um, and we've been here, we're part of the, uh, the fabric of the society in New Zealand. And yeah, we have a place to play in selling our story and also showing what we're doing and getting true um, feedback on what we can do differently. Mm. So you're proud of what you're doing on your property, Fraser? Yeah, I am. Yep. But I do have to say things are always changing. Mm. And like, yeah, I've got probably three weeks of paperwork in my farm business now, which mm. is taking me away from doing the jobs on the, on the farm. It's um, a huge change in regulation and things like that. But so the a farmer, a typical farmer will be changing as well. So it's mm. quite you got any... a, a place, a, a changing time. <laughs> yeah, indeed. Have you got any advice out there to farmers who think what is being asked of them is just another tightening of the screws and anti-farming? Yeah, probably one of my pieces of advice it would be that sometimes you need a new set of perspective to look at things and sometimes the younger generation sees things like I ask my staff for answers to questions and what if I have a problem because they see things completely differently mm. so it's like then I've said oh what, how are we going to do this and I go oh there's an app which will do that or so and so on farm and mum's 
mention that this is how they, and you just go, it opens up a whole new source of solutions. Mm. So getting the younger generation involved in your farm is probably a key thing. And it may be getting some of them to do some of the paperwork, which might be too hard for you and engaging with that or allowing that transition of ownership so that they have their challenges. Um, yeah, that would be probably my big thing is get other people involved and get a good support through you. And everyone is going through the same things. Mm-hmm. So uh, get out and get engaged with the questions now. Um, and even if you don't understand them and don't have the answers, you'll be on the journey. And that's mentioned a lot being on the journey, but I think that it's quite a debt that yeah, we're all in this and we're all doing something. <laughs> we're doing the, the same things. Yeah, indeed. Look, I know you're busy. I'm sure you've got plenty on today. So I thank you very, very much for your time today. Thank you, Angus. Thanks for the time. Thank you to Fraser for his time today. Fraser and his wife, Catherine, are true custodians of the land and have a clear understanding of what their property can produce. And indeed, they understand and clearly exercise good production or intensification boundaries. They have won many awards for their farming efforts, which include the Balance Agri-Nutrient Soil Management Award and Dairy NZ's Sustainability and Stewardship Award, just to name a couple. One thing that stood out for me is how gently they respect and treat their land and how important things like efficient use of fertiliser is managed, which is achieved by using a GPS mapping system attached to their own spreader. And soil testing is undertaken biannually on every paddock with a block test in alternate years. He said timeliness and accuracy of fertiliser application are really important and their approach means they are getting the right type and rate of fertiliser applied to where it's needed. On their property, matching the stocking rate to what the land can carry is important and helps to ensure the cows are well fed. Fraser says, if you look after your pasture and soils, you look after your cows. Minimising waste and recycling are everyday activities. Baleage wrap and scrap metal are recycled. A heat recovery system is used on the refrigeration unit providing free hot water to 52 degrees. Fresh water is reused up to three times in the cow shed before entering the effluent pond. These farmers are, in my view, the benchmark for all to aspire to. Farming is not easy and it is becoming harder and harder each and every year. The skill set and technological knowledge farmers need today are significant and that's why it is so important that farmers get on board with programs like Hiwaki Ekanoa. Firstly, to know your numbers and get ahead of the game. Go to their website or reach out to your Dairy NZ or Beef and Lamb Rep to get involved. Farmers and growers, you are, in my view, New Zealand's greatest asset, both economically and socially. But if you want to be the masters of your own destiny and keep Wellington from breathing down your necks, the bull is well and truly in your paddock. Thank you for listening and catch you next time on Factor Magri.